The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to the Big Footy Podcast. I'm Rick Newenhoven. Hope everyone is well and thank you for joining us. And I keep asking myself why I call it a podcast when we're actually doing it live. But anyway, we can continue on. Uh, tonight, my co-host and guest is the one and only, a bit of a cult hero with the Port Adelaide fans, Adam Hartlett. Adam, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Rick. How are you, mate? I'm very good too. That's um, good. Hopefully, as I pre-warned you, I've got the technology working fine. I did test it earlier today and... Uh, it was working. It's working. So, so fingers crossed. Good start. Yep. So I'll have the. I've got the phone handy just in case I get a text message going. Can't hear you guys. So <laughs> we might be just having an intimate conversation, just the two of us. Um, Lovely. Anyway, Adam. Yeah, thanks for your time. I thought uh, just a quick bio for some of the fans out there that aren't sure who you are. Um, so you played with Carlton from 2007 to 2009. Um, and then you were at West Adelaide. You're happy to be corrected if that's not true. For the most of that time, with the success of a 2015 premiership, is that about yep. right? Yeah, that's right. So I was um, I was drafted from um, from West Adelaide uh, in the 2004 national draft and debuted um, yeah for Carlton in my third year in 2007 um, and played uh, 11 games through uh, that period and delisted at the end of 2009 um, and then signed at Westies from then and played eight seasons there. I'm getting a bit old, um, but <laughs> I've, and I wasn't really a Carlton supporter. Um, so, But from my memory, you had a fair few injury problems. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did have a fair few injuries. I... Um, I had a, you know, troublesome knees um, throughout my time there, and uh, coinciding with that, um, a lot of hamstring and soft tissue sort of problems, getting back from those injuries as well. So, um, having said that, I was given five years, and I'm, you know, I look back on that time now, and um, very grateful, you know, for um, for getting that five years. You know, you see a lot of blokes who I consider very, very talented. Um, footballers, you know, get spat out after you know twelve months or so. So now, yeah, I'm probably indebted to Carlton a little bit for you know giving me the opportunity to to get that body right and um, you know live out my childhood dream, and that was to be an AFL footballer. So, so um, I guess same we've got you here, and it's you know you're still a recent, uh, recently removed AFL player. I mean, from your perspective, what do maybe the fans not appreciate? about the AFL career and having to deal with injuries in an AFL career? Is it mentally fatiguing for you as, as a player when you're in the system? Yeah, it uh, definitely definitely was for me. I just remember my, my last year. I actually, you know, in my second year, I had my moments as well. I'd, um, I hadn't played a game after, you know, two seasons and um, I missed 12 weeks um, of my first year with a knee issue and then uh, the last training session before round one in my second season I ruptured my hamstring tendon and missed another 14 weeks in my second year and um, you know I, I came back to Adelaide and I was surrounded by all my friends for you know our off season and I didn't want to go back to be honest and um, it took a fair bit of coaxing from uh, 
my player manager at the time and my parents and um, you know I got back into pre-season and I got through unscathed and was starting to you know uh, things started looking a bit more positive and um, you know played some NAB Cup footy um, in that that third third year and then um, you know debuted uh, later that year as well so it is it's you know you, I went across there um, to Carlton wanting you know, as an AFL footballer, you, I was drafted to Carlton and I was sort of stuck in the VFL for a couple of years as well as being injured and I just didn't feel like I was doing my job and that was um, that was pretty tough mentally. Um, and then towards the end of my career as well, you know, still battling injuries but, you know, feeling like I was performing well enough in the VFL to warrant a, an AFL um, game and still wasn't getting selected. And, yeah, my, it was mentally very, very taxing and I was... You know, at the end of five years um, on on a list, I was I was ready to to hang them up. And I know it sounds a bit uh, a bit selfish, and in hindsight, you know that's the best job I'll probably ever have, um, being an AFL football. And a, you know, as I said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And um, you know, I, I perhaps wish I stuck at it a bit 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 longer, and uh, you know, uh, did things a bit differently. But yeah, that's all good. It's in the past, can't change much. Yeah, you can't change the past, and we are where we are for the decisions that we make. So um, yeah, that's right. But but um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is mentally very taxing, and um, you know, I'm sure you know a lot of the boys on an AFL list these days are doing everything they can to you know be the best they can and 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 play um, AFL footy. And you know, the blokes make mistakes on the field and at training and you know, off the field as well and uh, but yeah, you just it's it's pretty easy to jump down the throats of blokes that, you know, miss a few kicks during a game and stuff like that. But uh, you know, once you've actually experienced the intensity of a game and, you know, how much pressure some of these players are under, um, yeah, it's uh probably a little unjust at times. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me. Like I was one of the worst football players ever born on the planet, so I've got no football skill at all. So, you know, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite at times when I'm sort of watching the teams and and the players' skills. And but I guess you know when you when you're brought up watching football and you still have a, a good knowledge of it, and I guess you listen yeah. to the TV commentators who once they retire are just fantastic players that never made a mistake. It, it's mm. sometimes. Um, you know, we get this unrealistic expectation on a player's performance and we forget that they're all human. And even the great Nathan Buckley, who was supposed to be an elite um, disposer of the ball, he still wasn't the most perfect user of the yeah, ball either. That's either. right. He would have shanked a few in his time, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Not too many, but... <laughs> and I guess, what do you reckon, like, the game style now with the zoning and how intense the zoning is and the pressure is mm. compared to, like, um, I guess, you know... 10 years ago, 8 years ago, you you were in the system. Yeah. How, how much has it changed and how much more pressure is there on the ball user now? Yeah, I think the the, the intensity of, of AFL footy has certainly gone to another, another level in the, you know, these last couple of years. And we, we're sort of seeing those smaller, quicker sides um, succeed now. And, you know, we saw Richmond do it. And you look at their forward line and how that's structured with maybe Jack Rewalt, you know, being their key forward. And then, you know, their second key forward was like a Josh Caddy who's 6'2", 6'3", predominantly a midfielder but you know and they've just got like the Mosquito Fleet, Castagna and uh, Rioli and the you know blokes like that just buzzing around and putting maximum pressure on on these defenders and it's a bloody nightmare when uh, 
you think you've got a little bit of time and space as a backman and, you know, you got blokes uh, buzzing around at your, your heels trying to, um, you know, rip that ball off you. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, teams are so well structured in their zones and maximising um, players, I suppose, around the ball and chewing up opposition space time. And, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just crazy how, how quick the game is now and how sort of contested it is. And then once it's sort of out of that, that, that contest and uh, all the numbers, the the power and the running that uh, these blokes are capable of these days, it's uh, it's quite amazing. Do you think, um, for, from a Port supporter perspective, 2017's final result was fantastic, but do you think the Richmond win over the Crows in the grand final was a bit of an anomaly, seeing you're talking about the small forward line, or do you think this is a a sign of things to come with the future of AFL football with the, yeah. the way it's being played and just and then the extra question to that is is Port going to potentially be too tall this year? Yeah, I, I like um, you know how Port went about um, their recruiting um, for you know over the 2017 off season um, going into 2018 and uh, you know I, I, I really do like the the inclusion of blokes like Lindsay Thomas who. You know, probably won't be made perhaps in the starting 22, but he just adds a lot of depth to that that group. So if one of these blokes do go down up forward, you know, you got a ready-made replacement, a bloke that's played over 200 games. Um, I guess you know you look at their list and they're pretty versatile. You know, we can play a smaller forward line at times and and post up, uh, you know, one big man down there in Charlie, and, and you can play your wing guards and your Robbie Grays and. Lindsay Thomas and your Jake Needs and, and you know if that's the way um, you know the AFL uh, success I suppose um, it, that the pattern is, is sort of got, you know happening then we can we can play that that type of role we know the Bulldogs did it the year before they had a, you know a small forward line as well and just put maximum pressure on the ball carrier and um, yeah I think you know uh, Port going into this season are going to have that versatility to be able to, you know, stretch players with height at times if, um, you know, they've got a, a smaller back line. But then, it, again, you know, if they're a bit taller, then maybe we can, uh, you know, run them off their feet a little bit with those smaller type players. I mean, Rockliffe can go forward and he's got a, a big engine. And, you know, uh, Bokey's played the last couple of years as a, a high half forward and is probably one of the better, better runners at, at Port as well. So... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they line up um, from week to week. And I think that'll be very dependent on, uh, you know, obviously who they line up against. I guess one of the topics has been um, in the pre-season conversations with Port supporters, Dixon, Westhoff, um, Marshall, Jack Watts. Yeah. Can they all fit in the same in the same side or is someone going to miss out? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I really liked um, uh, what we saw from Todd Marshall late last year. Um, you know, we saw Westhoff, how versatile he can be. You know, he can play on a wing. He's got one of the best tanks at, at Port. Um, for, a, you know, a bloke who's six foot six, he's just an incredible athlete. And, um, you know, he's he's nice to be able to run on a wing and, and get forward and, and get mismatches forward and then, you know, slot down into defence and take into set marks and stuff like that. And, I suppose, you know, with Watts coming into the side as well, he's just an elite kick and, um, yeah, uh, he could play just about anywhere. He could play a similar role to, to Westhoff. So, 
yeah, yeah you probably you might see them you know at either end of the ground at most times or you know maybe both of them on opposite wings or I'm not too sure how uh, Kenny's going to go about um, utilising those fellas but um, yeah Toddy Marshall I think he'll certainly play some more senior footy this year and, and Charlie's your number one forward I think um, oh, no, no doubt there he's second half of the year particularly was outstanding <laughs> I thought um, and then you got you know Dougal Howard as well who can float forward as well and, and showed a fair bit of promise as a you know, defender and, um, you know, backup ruck as well if needed. As I said, you know, there's just so much flexibility now in that list that uh, I'm just glad I don't have to choose a side. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and as I forewarned you, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I don't know, I'm not very structured when it comes to this stuff, so I've already thrown our run sheet out the window, haven't I? Um, but, yeah. Well, I had a quick glance at it, but, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, we're going all right. We, we, make, we make it up as we go along. So... <laughs> I've got you as a as a you're a father of two. Um, mm-hmm. You're a brother of one. Ah, uh, I've got a little sister as well. Okay, yeah, yeah she yeah, hides in sister. the shadows of the two bros. No, she's uh, she's doing very well. She uh, she's a little DJ. Yeah, and uh, has a residency at uh, Mr Kim's um, in the city, and she's done a, a bit of touring at the moment, doing really well, producing her own music. She's been on Triple J. A fair bit as well. Um, yes, no, she's going. She's going very well. So, nice. I'm the one in the shadows at the moment. <laughs> well, you're very <laughs> famous with the Port fans. They're, they they love your twittering. They they yeah. think you're, you you use that platform amazingly well, and you've you provided them uh, numerous entertainment uh, supporting Port Adelaide and sticking up for your for your brother. Um, yep. Do you enjoy the Twitter platform? Yeah, I do. I I, I really enjoy just. Um, the news, I suppose, side of things, um, and I, you know, I follow a bit of uh, American sport, in particular the NHL, um, and just listening to trade uh, trade radio in the off season with the AFL, you know, that was just incredible for all that sort of stuff. So I do enjoy it, uh, mainly for that um, sort of purpose. And um, once footy season comes around, I um, always go into bat for Port and. Um, and and Hamish and uh, I appreciate you know a, a good footballer and and a good team and a good game. And I even gave the Crows a rap every now and then. Um, but yeah, yeah, I always throw a little bit of banter out there as well. And uh, it's it's more the uh, the bullshit TV shows that uh, that are on Married at First Sight and things like that. That uh, I uh, yeah what? throw a few tweets out. <laughs> What, what do you, what do you mean? How can you put bullshit and married at first sight in the same sentence? Come on, man! Uh, I just think it's comical some of the some of the garbage that's uh, that's yeah that's blessed on our I suppose on our TV screens every now and then. It's comical at times, but I'm uh, devastated that I'm missing out on that. It's it's quality TV. It's, it is. Uh, I love it. So, what is uh, your um, what is your best and worst reality TV shows at the moment? What do you what do you don't mind watching I, and what are you cringing? Look, I. Uh, I, I do like watching Married at First Sight, but it makes me cringe uh, <laughs> at the same time. It's just um, uh, the people on there is just you know, I'm hysterical at times. Just, uh, but I do enjoy um, what else? Gogglebox. That's uh, one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, oh, and there was a show on last night. I can't remember what it's called. It's um, when groups go and holiday, and they they give the the, the destination a rating out of five or something like that and there's a, quite a few funny uh, characters on those 
those show, that show as well. So, um, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't watch a, a great deal of TV, to be honest. I'm normally pretty busy with work and footy and and, and the girls. But, um, yeah, I, when I do, you know, eventually jump into bed and only watch half an hour or 45 uh, minutes worth of um, whatever's on, basically. So, um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it uh, can be very entertaining and it can be very cringeworthy and uh, yeah, no, nah, it's all good. It's a good way to shut off the brain though sometimes. So, <laughs> so you, you've been known for just sticking up for your brother who obviously is Hamish Hartlett that plays for Port Adelaide. Um, yep. you know, what, what sort of, and not I'm not asking the question just on Hamish but just players in mm. general, because uh, obviously he's come out and he shut down his social media accounts, I believe. Mm. What what sort yep. of pressure are these guys under, and and what sort of toll does it put on them? Yeah, it's just another. I think it's another added stress. And to be honest, there wasn't too much social media um, going around. Too many platforms going around when I was uh, at Carlton, and it's probably just as well because I do like uh, my social media platforms and just some of the stuff that. Uh, what Hamish was receiving on Twitter um, and other players receive, I think it's probably better off that players these days just steer clear of it because there's just some people out there that uh, get a thrill out of you know being an asshole basically and uh, have got no idea um, what uh, the club and uh, means to a player and you know how much time and effort and hard work and blood and sweat and tears and you know all those cliches that blokes genuinely do put into the their footy and um, and 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 their loyalty towards footy clubs and when yeah when people say just leave he's no good this and that and everything else it's just I don't think players really need to be reading that and having that in the back of their mind when they're making a decision on you know their future and um, yeah, their livelihood basically. So, do you, where do you where, where do you think? Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I remember at 2012 when Port sucked, um, and we were playing Cam Hitchcock, and I was actually embarrassed at times um, sitting in the uh, Amy stands. Like, some of the stuff um, that people were saying was just downright abusive and, and not mm. actually supporting, and I I just thought it was disgusting. Um, mm. Where where do you think as a you know as a fan of football how far can we how far are we allowed to go like yeah as I, I I try to go to a game to support rather than yeah. bag out that's how I look yeah. at it yeah um, yeah 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 I mean and it can be frustrating of course it can be frustrating especially when you ex- maybe expect more from your team um, but yeah I mean blokes aren't going out there trying to perform poorly. I mean, we've got to be real there because um, it's at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, their livelihood. And if they don't perform, you know, they get shown the door. Um, yeah, and it's and at times it can, like, it's it's embarrassing for a team if they if they lose, you know, five or six on the trot. And, you know, they're in the, uh, the media spotlight and the coaches are under the pump and it's not a nice position to be in. I think I was at Carlton when um, we, we won two or three uh, spoons. And, you know, I saw Dennis Pagan go and, you know, it wasn't a nice time when all these, these rumours and innuendo are going around uh, the club um, and it's not nice to see blokes under the pump and um, the pressure and the frustration showing and, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, and from a, a, a spectator's point of view, I mean, you, you can have your own opinion but you don't have to, I don't think, in a public 
space, you don't have to be yelling it out and, I don't know, just keep it to yourself. I think if yeah. it's not going to be positive and you're going to offend people around you, just bloody keep it to yourself. It's not hard. Yeah, I agree. Um, actually, it just made me think of something and I've never been out, I've never asked a, a player this before. You know, sometimes I notice that the football, when you know, when a player shanks a kick, you get the whole crowd have that big sigh, like that deflated. Yeah. Oh. Um, how does, like, as a player out in the middle, obviously you would hear that, you know, do you rebound from that quickly or can it be something that culminates in your mind and it starts creating a bit of paranoia about, shit, I better not do that again? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I think once the, the players are out there and, and so uh, engrossed in the game and... Um, uh, I, I don't reckon, and I've spoken to Hamish about this, and he, he, he honestly at times has just completely shut out what's around him in regards to the crowd and all that sort of stuff because he's just so engrossed in the contest and, the, and in the game that, you know, uh, where's my man? Where am I positioning myself? Where's the ball? Rah, rah, rah. Who's the dangerous player? Um, you know, can I be used kind of thing? You've just got so many things uh, running through your brain when you're out there in such a you know, a quick, a short, short amount of time. Um, that yeah, Hamish said at times that uh, he he's barely noticed the crowd, and then other times, you know, when the boys are up and about, and you know, it's a big game and they're kicking away kind of thing. He, he just said Adelaide Oval when you know you got fifty odd thousand Port supporters just going crazy. He said it's just the best feeling. Hmm. Um, yeah, you could imagine so. It's yeah, I, I guess. It, yeah, and I think that'd vary, you know, depending on the player as well. You know, if you're in your first or a few games, and you, you know you butcher a kick, and you're playing in front of ninety thousand people at the G, and you might, you probably hear the crowd, you know, because it's new to you, and um, you're probably just gonna, you, you'll be as shitty at yourself than the, than I suppose the uh, the spectators would be with you as well. But uh, yeah, I think you generally know if you've made an error and. You, you don't mean to do it, but uh, yeah, you try and get back on the bike and uh, do the right thing next time. So you're a bit of a poor fan now, obviously. Were you always a poor fan? <laughs> Did you grow up a poor fan, or have you just been converted with your, your family influence? Um, it's funny. We uh, I was born in '86, so the Crows. Oh, we were Crow supporters. I'd, I'll uh, admit that. So. <laughs> But before then, Dad was uh, from Mildura, so he was a big St Kilda fan. So I suppose early days were probably, uh, before there was an Adelaide AFL side, we were uh, probably St Kilda. And then, um, obviously, when the Crows came into the competition, we were Adelaide. Um, I actually developed a bit of a soft spot for some reason. I have no idea why. I'm not sure if it was because I was playing at West Adelaide at the time, but I, I enjoyed watching Essendon. I enjoyed watching... Uh, James Hurd and uh, Mark McCurry and a few few of those sort of blokes go around. Um, and then uh, I went across to, to Carlton at the end of 2004. And, um, yeah, obviously I still have a soft spot for them. Uh, but now, obviously, with Hamish at Port, we are, we're, yeah, very much a, a Port Adelaide family now. So, yeah, yeah, that's how that's all come about. We've come um, full circle, I suppose. Oh, it was at 180. We haven't gone full circle yet because we're not back at the Crows. <laughs> Wait till Amish <laughs> retires and then uh, maybe you'll flip back. Oh, jeez. Well, how does, uh, from, from your experience, <laughs> like, we hear all the players say that they love the club and how the club embraces family and, and all those sort of aspects, which has created such a 
strong com- camaraderie, camaraderie and retention with mm. the playing group. Um, you know, you, you've been in the AFL system, the SANFL system, you, you've seen your brother at Port Alley Footy Club. How do you, do you hear about some stories of the inner workings and is it an impressive organisation from, from where you are? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, to have three almost, star, you'd have to say star um, recruits wanting to come to to Port Power at the end of 2017, I think that's a, a great endorsement for the club that um, they're obviously doing something right there. Um, look, I haven't been around um, Port Adelaide myself personally, but I know, you know, mum and dad get invited to a lot of functions and, and things like that. And um, as you said, they've, they um, really promote the family side of things and make sure, um, you know, the parents in particular are well looked after. Um, yeah, they just do a lot of things right. Uh, with You know, even the Paul Vandenberg and the Indigenous Academy there, um, that's a huge tick in um, for the club as well. Um, yeah, so they, obviously they're doing a lot of things right. Um, and yeah, I just I just hope you know I see the hard work that Hamish does, and obviously that the boys do, and I just hope that they get um, you know the ultimate success um, very soon. Don't we all? It's been a while. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, and last season we finished probably too quickly. So uh, yeah. yeah. So I guess quickly, actually, I'll flip it. I'll do what happened mm-hmm. last week first. So. AFLX was on and yep. fast footy the week before with the SAFL. Yep. Now, um, I'll be brutally honest, all I did was watch the Port games. I couldn't be bothered watching <laughs> anything else. And uh, I watched it because it yep. was football, but I struggled, to be honest. I, I felt like there was think, no, a- no atmosphere yep. in the crowd. Yep. And I reckon there wasn't enough players on the pitch because there mm-hmm. was no contest at all. And it was just back and forward and... Yeah. I think it, it might be a game that's great for under tens um, to get them started, but outside of that, I'm not sure. What, what's your are take you, on it? So, are we talking about the fast footy, the sandful, or the AFLX? Well, I didn't even see the fast because, footy. Because, oh, I thought you were talking about fast footy when Westies beat Port by like 10 goals. Yeah, well, you can talk about that too if you <laughs> like. It's okay. That's right. I did see, I just saw some of the celebrations from, uh, from the boys who played in that comp. The, a couple of Norwood boys had some very nice celebrations. I saw one of the one of the fellas kick a goal and he jumped the fence and clapped himself. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and a couple of Westies boys. Isaac Rankin, he'll uh, he'll go quite high in the in the draft this year from Westies. He did a nice backflip after slotting one. So, but um, yeah, in regards to the AFLX, I um I did watch a little bit of it. Um, and as you said, it was just very open, sort of uh, end-to-end sort of stuff. And, you know, you, you just couldn't afford to, to turn it over. And I, I think, you know, the game um, suited the smaller running-type players. And that was probably evident, you know, in the squads that were picked um, uh, by all sides, really. Bar North Melbourne, who had big Braden Pruce running around. He was... Um, rucking against one of the Melbourne midfielders at one stage, so that was quite funny. He's a big man, but um, yeah, yeah. Look, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept. I think people just like seeing football being played, and um, you know, when the the AFL women's footy came into uh, force last 
last season. Um, I loved watching it, you know, and, it, I, I, and it's just because there's footy playing. And look, I, I didn't mind it. I was pretty open-minded about it. Um, um, and it just it gave the, some of the younger kids a bit of exposure to um, to you know t- being on TV and uh, playing in front of a, a bit of a crowd and playing against other AFL listed players as well. So um, I don't think there was any injuries that come from it. So yeah, I don't, I don't see a, a problem with it at all. If you had a magic so, wand, would you change? What would you change in the concept? Anything? Um, yeah, you might be right. Maybe one or two more players I suppose on the field um, yeah but other than that like, I, I suppose they wanted to limit the amount of numbers on the field so there was less collisions and less chance of injury that's I suppose the yeah the only reason why I couldn't imagine them being you know a couple more players perhaps on the field um, the shorter ground just meant there was more scoring um, yeah no, I, I don't think it was too bad Actually, it would have been good to see your brother play because I reckon he would have tried to have a shot of goal from the kicking. <laughs> kicking, I reckon you might be right. <laughs> I reckon, uh, yeah, I think he was pretty happy to sit that those games out because it looked like the ball was uh, uh, fizzing around pretty quickly. So Yeah, they were blowing in the second halves. Yeah, yeah even though a few of the boys were cramping at times as well. So, So this week coming up, it's the first round of the JLT series in the AFL, anyway, and we're playing Ports playing West. I put West Toast on West Sunday. Toast. West Toast on Sunday yep. at three thirty-five. So yep. Polek's done a hammy. He's out for four mm-hmm. to five. Broadbent, yep. and I'll get your take on this one shortly. Yeah, reoccurring ankle that's been going mm. forever. Um, Concerned, and, yeah, yeah, and then Thomas Wingard, Marshall Gray, Motlop, just the. They're sort of around the place. Um, yeah. From a player's perspective, you know, obviously we hear in the media, uh, you know, you just want to get through the game, get the miles on the clock, mm. not get injured. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, do you think like that though when you're out there playing a trial game, or you forget that it's a trial game and and it's all guns blazing? And I guess the other thing is, what's your take on Matthew Broben? I've never seen a, a reoccurring ankle injury like this, but it's, yeah. it's a bit of an interesting one. It is, yeah. I know. Uh, I'll, I'll start on the, the footy side of things. I think um, personally, if you're playing like an intra-club game or something like that, you just, you just. Well, I personally, I, I just sort of just try and coast through them and get the get the miles in the legs, but try and limit, you know, jumping into packs and you know, just the bash and crash side of things. But I know from experience not so much at AFL level, but at SNFL level, you know, as soon as, um, you know, you got an opposition in play, you just want to win and you want to, you know, win the contest and you, you want to feel that, uh, that body and, and start preparing yourself, I suppose, for the season proper. So, um, yeah, I think the boys will, will have a, a good crack at it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of squad they roll out if they, you know, play, um, Predominantly youngsters, or do they try and um, you know get the, the the team gelling and and you know you play your Motlops and Rockcliffs and Watts and you know close to your starting twenty one or twenty two. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what squads picked. I don't know, can they pick extended squads or, I think or is so. it just a yeah right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. so they might still roll some youngsters through there. Um, in regards to Brogsy, it is yeah absolutely a concern. I know. He, 
you know, there's been blokes in the past that um, that have ankle injuries that become degenerative and, um, yeah, I mean, that, some of them can be quite nasty and, uh, yeah, hard to sort of recover from. And, um, yeah, it's a, absolutely a huge concern. He missed a lot of footy sort of last year um, and even the previous year with, with, I'm assuming, the same ankle. And for him to have to go back under the knife at this point of the season, um, yeah, probably isn't a great sign. But, uh, you know, when he's up and firing, he's... Easily in the starting 22, he just he just runs all day and uh, uses the ball really well off half back or through the middle. So um, yeah, as I said earlier, we've you know we've got depth at the moment, but it'll always be nice to to have your full list, I suppose, to choose from. You know, you don't want to see um, players uh, missing um, through through injury. Well, you're um, you're a former defender yourself. Um, <laughs> your brother's tucked away back down there as well. Yep. Um, what's your thoughts? I thought maybe we'd focus a little bit on the defence. What's your What's your thoughts on Port's defence? We've just spoken about Broadbent, how he's probably going to be struggling at the halfway point of the season, I would imagine. Mm. Um, yep. you know, have you got, a, outside of your brother, have you got a favourite defender back there and, and how are they going and, and how do you rate Nathan Bassett? Yeah, I oh, rate Nathan Bassett. He, he's, uh, he's had an exceptional... Um, career, um, sorry, coaching career at SANFL, um, at SANFL level, had an outstanding career as you know one of the, the best defenders in the AFL at the Crows as well. And um, yeah, he's uh, uh, from all reports, he's been a you know a, a huge acquisition to that club and um, gets on really well with the boys. And um, yeah, look, I uh, I really like Port's defence, and I spoke about versatility earlier and. Um, yeah, I think at times I look at their their back line and think, you know, maybe they're a bit too tall when you have like Cleary and and Hompshi and um, and Jonas down there. And, and, and in the past, Trengo's been down there as well. You know, there's four blokes, you know, pushing six foot four plus. But, you know, Tommy Jonas and, and in particular uh, him and, and Cleary, they can play. They're so versatile and they can play, you know, on the smaller, quicker forwards because they've got the speed and the engine to, to run with them as well so um, yeah I, I love the way Darcy Byrne-Jones you know goes about it I'm excited by um, another uh, old Westies boy Riley Bonner um, with his left foot off halfback um, and his speed as well um, yeah I, th- I think they've got you know options as well Dan Houston's another one that can play you know that mid small um defender as well so um, and yeah you know Dougal Howard played some good minutes down there um, towards the back end of the season as well So do you think Homsch we know Broadbent's basically out for a while so and Hamish being a senior player is going to be a lock I would imagine Jonas is a lock um, Cleary had an amazing rise from yep. last year because I mean yep. I wasn't expecting him to be the player that he was that was yep. you know I mean is that it to me, it doesn't seem common, but you know, it was just amazing the turnaround. But then you look at it, Dan Houston. What an amazing season he had as well. I thought he was very unlucky to get dropped from the China game, and yeah, and uh, and then when they they had to bring him back because of his um, stability back there and his yeah. and his use of the ball. Yeah, yeah, they've um, they've got some really good kids back there, and they've probably come on a bit quicker than perhaps they. <laughs> probably expected or they maybe would have liked because it puts a lot of pressure on uh, 
on blokes there to keep performing. So um, it's only it's only positive, I suppose. And um, yeah, it'll be as I said earlier, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how um, you know they they structure up. Um, yeah, you know, going into the JLT and uh, throughout the JLT, and then into to round one and the start of the season. Obviously, um, you know injuries will will play a part of the selection, but um, yeah, I mean there's going to be some stiff blokes uh, miss out. Um, but yeah, there are. It's it's only a positive as I see. It. You know, if, if there's uh, blokes that aren't performing or that do get injured, there's going to be plenty of options for for blokes to come in and cover and and, and play some good AFL footy as well. So, so yeah, one of our listeners, Windy Runner, said it could be trouble for Pittard this year. I think that's a bit harsh. Jasper had a bit of a calf niggle throughout last year, I think. So that probably yep. held him back a little bit. But yeah, he's a very I forgot about player. Jasper as well. He's a great player and. Um, uh, he had a, a sensational 2016, I think it was. Um, was he All-Australian or he was in contention, I think? Oh, I think he might have been in the squad. I'm in the saying. squad, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, not only him, there was probably you know, a few mates that joined him last year, probably didn't have as, as good a year as, as maybe the year before or um, as good a year as they played in the past. But, uh, yeah, um, he's... he's I see it as, as he's one of the starting 22 as well. His, um, his, his usage off halfback um, is very good and he, he defends quite well as well. So, yeah, it'll be as I said, it'll be interesting to see how they <laughs> how they go about selection because they've just got so many options. My, uh, my Thursday night uh, review co-host or host, uh, Porsche, said it's good to see that I'm uh, still stuck on Jasper. I've actually moved my love from Jasper to actually Dan Houston. I I think I love the halfback flanker, the underdog in the football side, but I just see where Dan came from as a, you know, as a rookie and then he was really a forward and flicked him back and then he just came in and I just, yeah, I thought his courage was first class. His ball use was one of the best in the side Um, and he, he had the courage to take the game on when he needed to and yeah, for a first-year player, I thought he was amazing. Yeah, no, he was excellent. He had a fantastic first year. I'm not too sure how um, things panned out at their best and fairest or awards night. Did he did he pick up anything, do you know, as oh, first-year player man, or something like that? You're asking me the detailed questions that Craig yeah. would answer, but uh, <laughs> I don't think he won the first-year player. Maybe one of the listeners can answer that. Yeah, uh, perhaps. For me. But, um, but, should have yeah, done our research. We should have. You know, look, you got to keep it simple. Man. Talk yeah. reality TV and it's fine. Talk mortgages and it's fine. Talk best oh, and fairest. I don't get free tickets, so I'm not going. So I don't know. No, fair enough. But, but um, the other thing is too that I always hear the forwards say that the defenders have got the easy job because they've always got the midfielders <laughs> flooding back. Is that true? <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what, I uh, as a defender, I, I used to yell and scream at my midfield to come and sit back in holes. Um, so you might be right there. <laughs> you might be right. And I uh, actually played a bit of footy up forward this year in uh, in the Sunraiser competition in Mildura. And, uh, yeah, when uh, teams flood back and chew up your space, it is uh, a little bit harder for the forwards to, to get a kick, that's for sure. And Sam Powell-Pepper won the best first-year player. Oh, that's probably fair enough. Because he's hard. not... Hey, did you think he should have won the Rising Star? Um, jeez, uh, he had an excellent year 
far out, and I'm looking forward to seeing him go go to another level again this year. Um, I don't even know who won it. That's pretty average uh, of me, isn't it? I think it? it was McGrath. Oh, yeah, yeah, a sensational year as well. Um, there's some good young kids going around. I just, yeah, I'm just in awe of, of how they can just come straight into not only senior football, but like AFL, the highest level, and perform and not be overawed by by um, the crowds and the, the, the opposition and the speed of the game. They just they just slot right, right in as if they've been playing it for five or ten years. It's... Mm. Um, yeah, it's amazing, some of them. Did you go to the family day last, last or two weeks ago? No, I didn't. We were in Mildura. We've obviously we relocated here um, a bit over 12 months ago. Now my partner and um, my daughters. And uh, since the footy season finished for me last year, we've been back and forth to Adelaide for weddings and birthdays and... Oh, the lot so um yeah we've just actually spent the last fortnight um just chilling up in in Mildura which has been lovely and just um you know taking in the uh you know the river life I suppose so yeah, no, it's, been, it's been gorgeous yeah it's been amazing well fair enough well, the reason I asked is because Sam Power Purple like especially the first half um <laughs> head over the ball and he's a yep. big unit and he did not even look once who was coming no. Uh, in his direction, he just went so hard to get that ball, and I think yep. some of the boys just didn't go near it. Um, get out of his way. <laughs> get out of his way. He, he's a. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, we all talk about Ollie being a big unit, but I'll, yeah, I'll be interested to see where uh, Sam uh, becomes in the next couple of years because he's a yeah. big boy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 one like. Uh, you know, you talk about your Rockcliffs that can go forward and 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 probably pinch hit one out as a full forward, and your Dustin Martins, obviously. He can, he can do it as well, and I could see, you know, Power Pepper probably playing a similar role in years to come once he, you know, um, gets on top of his midfield work, which is well on the way in doing. He'll develop that forward uh, craft, I suppose, and um, yeah, I'd imagine anyway, and, and play that type of role as well. Hmm. Um, just on West Coast, I, I thought they were like, so they've lost Sam Mitchell, Matt Prittis. Uh, I don't know if he got picked up anywhere else, don't really care. Yeah. Um, but they were out. They didn't have Nitnat last year, and he's going to be mm. back. Um, yep. And we saw the difference with Ryder back to Port last year compared to not having him when he was suspended. I, I just wonder, even though they've lost a few key mids, will um, you know how much of an influence Nick Nat and Nui will have for 2018 for West Coast? Oh, I, I think the the great strength about Nick Nat is that he just he gets his hand on the ball, um, and I, that's huge for your your midfield groups. You know, if you can. Um, you know, put it, I suppose, on a platter for him and uh, get that ball going forward quickly at the middle. Um, it's huge for 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 teams, and um, yeah, I, I I'd like to see you know him take his game. It's, oh, it's kind of hard to put, but you know, you know, from Nick, you're going to get your 25 to 30, you know, hitouts from him a week. But I'd like to see him get a bit more ball around the ground, take a few more marks. He does some flashy things, you know. We've seen him tap the ball down to himself from the centre and run it forward and kick a goal, and he does that, you know, very well. But I'd like to see him just do a bit more basic stuff around the ground and, and, and take those, you know, 8 to 10 possession games up to, a, you know, 14, 15, 16, 
you know, and, and, and some days you, your 20s um, and take a few more marks around the ground and, and do that sort of stuff. We know he's elite when it comes to, you know, jumping over an opponent and, and getting uh, ball to hand. Um, but, yeah, just, uh, you know, accumulating a few more touches, I think, um, you know, that'll take his game to another level and, you know, he'd be even harder to play against. Mm. I agree with you. That seems to be my knock on him. He probably just doesn't get enough ball over the course mm. of the game. I'm just curious, though, while you're talking, I was thinking about the trial game and, and from your previous history. Uh, do the coaches, um, they don't want to review all their hand before the season starts, for mm. example. So yep. would Nathan Bassett, for example, maybe run his starting six? And and this is a good question for you as a coach in waiting, I guess, too, in the mm-hmm. uh, at the in the Mildura, Mildura level, um, you know, so would he maybe take five minutes of a section of a game where maybe he's got what he thinks is his prime six and the structure he wants and play it and then mix it up so he, he's not showing it too much? Do you think the club yeah. do the clubs do that sort of thing? Yeah, I have no doubt that um, that clubs would certainly uh, you know throw a few few players out there. Um, you know, just have a look to see how they adapt to, uh, I suppose, the pace of the game and the level and the position they're playing and see if they're structuring up accordingly and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I suppose the deeper we go into JLT, um, you know, you'll start seeing what more looks more like a, a round one side. Um, and I suppose, you know, I'm at a completely different level Um uh, to the AFL level, but that's sort of what I have in mind um, as as coach of a footy team up here. You know, the first uh, pracky game or two, um, we'll probably take in you know bigger squads um, and give some of those younger guys um, a good crack at it and and see if we can maybe find a diamond in the rough, you know, along the way. Um, um, and then you know, as we get closer towards round one, we'll start you know playing. Um, what's more likely to be our, our starting round one side. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm assuming, you know, Port will will do something similar, you know, at the start of this JLT series. They'll, they'll obviously have a, a good mix of, um, you know, their seniors, uh, senior side and, um, you know, have a look at some, some rookies and, and first-year players as well. Yep. So one of the more... The con- well, some people think it's controversial, some don't. But I know it's a lot of the fans are automatically slotting Homsch back in the starting 22, potentially mm. at the expense of Howard. I just think the question mark on Homsch, he, he's sort of been struck by injury, lost his spot yep. last year. Howard, I thought, was fantastic and also provides that taller defender because, as you mentioned before, we've got Jonas, we've got Cleary, and, and Homsch even, they're all the similar height at 193, mm. 194 centimetres, whereas Howard gives us that diversity. Um, do you think for those two guys, it's just pre-season boys, best form wins? Or do you think yeah. maybe Howard's got jumped in front? Or do, are the, the loyal supporters right and say, nah, Homsch is uh, first 18 and, and Howard has to wait his turn again? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting call. It's... Um, uh, Howard was yeah sensational towards that back end of the year when when Homsche was out with injury and um, yeah I'm not too sure what they're going to do I, I think you might be right I don't know if they can you know try and play all four of them or if that they're just going to be a bit too tall there or um, as I said you know Jonas and, and Cleary can be versatile and play on on those smaller guys but um, 
yeah, I'm not too sure. I reckon they're going to have to both perform, um, you know, throughout this JLT series. And, um, you know, if, if they're both fit and healthy, that more than likely, you know, be one or the other. Um, or does, you know, Dougal still play and, and become, a, you know, the second ruck and, and, and chop out down back when they need a rotation there? We can probably, you know, slot forward at times as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've probably said it half a dozen times this interview. The uh, the versatility versatility of the um, the squad for for Port throughout uh, well, for 2018 is um, yeah yeah it's uh, it's a huge bonus I think. Yeah, great it is, and it's exciting, and I'll be interested to see um, how it all pans out. So mm. I don't know if you've heard of um, of this platform, but uh, it get, it's got very by uh, polarising views, you could say. <laughs> the Big Footy platform, have you heard of that one? I have heard of Big Footy. Yeah? Yes, so, yeah, yeah. So some say that's where all the intelligent football supporters go to commentate <laughs> right. on football, and the others say it's where the Bogans go. Um, I don't know, I use it, so I don't know. It's a bit of a tricky one. You do or you don't? I, I do, but I've been busy yeah. with work, so I don't do it as right. much as what I used yeah. to. So, um, But there were some fan questions that people wanted to ask. Yep. Um, a, a gentleman by the name of Russell Ebert Hamble asked, will, ever, will Adam ever delete his Twitter account like Hamish or is it just too much fun to ever leave? <laughs> no, I won't be deleting my uh, my Twitter. I, uh, I enjoy it too much and um, unlike Hamish, I don't have to watch what I say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Portia on our uh, live chat has asked, is this PAF squad better than the 2004 team? Jeez. Ooh, um, geez, I'd have to sit down and have a look at um, look at squad side by side. Um, yeah, I, I really liked um, you know Port's midfield back then, but geez, they, they've got a, um, a very nice midfield brigade at the moment. Um, geez, yeah. On, pa- I, yeah. on paper, I think it, it could be, but the problem yeah. is that performance-wise, it can't be. You know, they, they finished top three years in a row. They finished the final series a couple of times earlier than what they... Sh- three times earlier than what they should have, but then yeah. they won the premiership, you know. Yeah. This, this side is, you know, what, made finals once in the last three years. Uh, underperformed, yeah. you could... Uh, underperformed, you could yeah. I was about to say that. But, uh... but it's probably the most versatile. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. And, and well, Russell Evil Hamble also wanted to know... What's the best Dennis Pagan spray you ever received, if you can remember one? Maybe you were too good and you didn't get one. Uh, <laughs> I didn't play too much footy under Dennis, but I, there was one um, one training session. Um, well, it was like an internal practice game, and this actually wasn't it wasn't, wasn't Dennis, but Dennis was there at the time, and uh, it was basically it was a blue team versus white team and I was on the white team and that was probably the, the second 18 or second 22 or whatever. Mm. And we're at one section of the the game where we weren't actually allowed to touch the ball. So the blues just had control of the ball and, um, you know, if we could intercept market or something, we weren't allowed to. Anyway, um, the ball got kicked in and I was playing as a defender and, and this pack went up and I actually marked it. And... Um, the assistant coach, Tony Elshaw, who spent a bit of time at St Kilda. I'm not too sure where Tony's at at the moment, but uh, 
he there was a few expletives thrown in there, but he said uh, something along the lines of "heartlet" are those ears painted on or something like that because mm. uh, I wasn't listening to instruction apparently. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Dennis get one was... of the biggest shit sandwich stories in the AFL? Dumping North Melbourne to go to Carlton yeah. and then getting smashed with the penalties, which really wasn't his fault. Yeah, no, nah, that was a bit stiff. That was just before I sort of got there, um, all the penalties and stuff. Actually, I was uh, in the first draft for the, for the Blues uh, when they obviously returned to the draft. I think they missed out for one or two years and then... Um, yeah, Jordan Russell was their first pick, who I was uh, at Westie's boy with, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I was uh, their second pick. So, um, pretty underwhelming results for their recruiting managers, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, does it? Obviously, it makes a massive difference when you just you tapped out of the draft for as much as what Carlton were, and I'd imagine that you know, with the Essendon saga. They were really quite lenient on Essendon when you compare it to Carlton, and I wonder if it's because they saw the consequence of what yeah. happened to Carlton with the extreme penalties that they were given. Yeah, yeah, they really bottomed out there for a while, the boys, unfortunately. But um, they seem to be on the the right track now and getting, you know, um, Brendan Bolton on on board and um, you know developing some really exciting youngsters as well. And they've just got to continue to. You know, to win, you know, more games in the previous year and, and, and continually, you know, head up that ladder. And if, uh, you know, they're not playing finals this year, which is probably unlikely, then hopefully it's not too far away. Mm. Nah, that can take a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> Eddie Dingle, he asked um, Adam to rate his best three Hamish takedowns and how it affects Sunday roast at Mum and Dad's. Takedowns? Yeah. Well, so what I'm are assuming. We I'm assuming he's saying, what's your best three takedowns you've done on Hamish where you've taken him down and uh, do you give him a ribbing at? Oh, jeez. Um, maybe not... maybe <laughs> one might be easier to remember than three. Um, uh, I, I try and embarrass him a little bit from time to time on, on social media, especially when he had it. Um, but uh, he was actually doing some uh, commentary for the Redbacks recently. And um, they they threw out a tweet. They said, "Oh, you know, we got Hamish Hartlett in here, and tweeting you a, a question for him." And I tweeted in one day. Uh, Hamish and I were at his mate's um, cricket net. He had an indoor cricket net built for him, and we were just having a net session in there and full kit and leather cricket balls and stuff. And Hamish was batting, and uh, he's a very good cricketer, Hamish. But I, I got one to nip back a bit, and it hit him square in the box. <laughs> and he went down in a heap and uh, we're all sort of laughing there's half a dozen of us boys just having a bit of a laugh and uh, he went to stand up and let out this squeal and then he fell over again we're like well, what's happened oh, we're just losing it it's so funny and um, he goes I think I think my box is broken and he pulled his pants down and the box had cracked in two and caught some skin oh <laughs> around the genitalia and oh my god so I tweeted in that that exact story to um to the Redbacks and say can you confirm or deny if this actually happened and uh yeah a few people sort of got around that and it was just like 
for a bloke who's just so straight down the line and doesn't give much away and is very calculated, um, that was good to, to to be able to share that story with so many people. And um, yeah, he just he thinks it's very funny, but uh, it wasn't too funny at the time for him. But these uh, are in stitches. We still we still find it like so funny when when that group of boys are together and we, we're talking about it. It's just gold. That's brutal. Yeah, the the pinching is. of the plastic would be agony. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. when I played indoor cricket <laughs> and I played with a high school friend and uh, he didn't really play cricket and he got hit in the uh, the box area, but he didn't have a box. And he just sort of crawled <laughs> out of the net before his turn uh, had finished. And I'm like, why is it so funny? What the hell are you doing, man? And he, he was in tears. And like half an hour later, he was still on the ground. And I'm like, come on, man. You... It'll be pathetic, and then uh, get up, and you end up having to go to hospital. And uh, they, were, they were almost going to chop one off. And do you think I got the biggest spray from his girlfriend? Oh, at that time? You, you, it is funny, and we do lose the compassion when it's somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I'm do. with you there. But um, the other one is uh, Eddie Ding also said after the win against the Swans in Sydney last year, I asked Hamish, "Why aren't you as funny as your brother?" And Hamish <laughs> said, "He gets to say things I can't. Is it yeah. is it really true that you are funnier he- than him?" Oh, I don't know. He's uh, he's very witty as well. We uh, bounce off each other um, mm. very well, and um, he's a little bit more serious than I am, but uh, very very funny man. And uh, I enjoy his humour, and we we do share some very good laughs when we uh, spend time together. So <laughs> well, no, he, he is a funny man. Someone, a patient mentor, was asked, Adam, as we all know, you're the better and far more talented brother. How does Hamish cope having to forever live under your shadow? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is, is this, maybe that was me under a, um, a fake account name. <laughs> nah. um, I'm not too sure what to say about that. To, uh, no, yeah, I, I might be the older brother to him, but I, I just really admire the way he sort of goes about um, his life and... Um, you know the hard work that he's put into to where he's gotten himself today is um, yeah full credit to himself and uh, I spoke about hindsight earlier and you know when I was at the Blues and um, you know I thought I was doing everything right to to get back from injury and, and things like that and training hard and stuff like that but I just look at uh, at the way he goes about things these days and he's just like an ultimate professional and um, yeah no he's uh, He's a, he's a very good man, and uh, he's going going really well. How was the time for you, for the family, not just Hamish, but the family collectively, when, like, two years ago when he was out at, well, was he still in contract or was he out of contract? Yeah. But they they yes. recommended he go and look at different options. Was, <laughs> yeah. So was, that, just, was that a bit of a uh, weird time? It was, yeah. So he just signed um, a five-year extension, and um, I think might have been... 12 months into it or might not have even started it and uh and yeah he sort of got the tap on the shoulder to say you know would you be open to perhaps uh, a trade and um yeah it came as a huge shock to to Hamish and um you know then the offers from from other clubs came came through monetary offers and you know it's uh yeah you know you got to start considering these things um because you're only in the system for a short amount of time. But, you know, he'd just bought a house in, in Westbourne Park in in Adelaide and, um, you know, all his family's there and he just he had no real intention to move, uh, to be honest. And, you know, I was a little bit upset that, 
you know, perhaps he was being sort of pushed, um, but he had really open and honest conversations with Ken and Ken, you know, assured him that, you know, Ken wanted him at the club and uh, how valuable and an asset he is to to the playing group. Um, so, yeah, it really, being um, under contract, you know, it was basically Hamish's call whether he wanted to stay or go and obviously he's, he chose to stay because, you know, he loves the place and he loves the boys and, yeah, didn't want to, you know, leave Adelaide and he, he, he just sees um, success at that, at that footy club, so... I thought it was a very mature process to go through because I think as a pe- person, we could get quite jaded by, hey, we're thinking about maybe you move on, what do you reckon? Um, mm. you know, it's easy just to go, screw you, but you know, to just yeah. go, okay, and, and have a look and look at your options, and, and, but then come back and go, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay yeah. and, and work back trust if that's what he needed to do. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, and I, yeah, credit to him for going through that. And I guess it's always good to sometimes get that wake up call, um, whether in business or we're playing mm. in a uh, in a AFL system, whatever it is. Sometimes we need a reality check to uh, yeah. to get us back on track. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And there was obviously there's no hard feelings um, between Hamish and the club and the playing group and all that sort of stuff. It was just a process that. Um, you know, a lot of footballers go through these days and, um, yeah, he's got great mates there and he's still part of the leadership group and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, no, it's, all, it's all been positive. Awesome. Forza, there's only a few more questions there. Uh, Forza um, Port said his favourite Adam Hartlett moment was the Troy Who sign from the 14 <laughs> Richmond elimination. I must have missed that one. What happened there? That was a, oh, it was a nice day. So we um, we obviously kicked about 10 goals in about six minutes um, mm. at the start of that game and put the uh, Tigers to the sword. And then um, I think Troy Chaplin, obviously he'd moved across to Richmond. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think he was quoted in saying that... Um, uh, Richmond are closer to success or something like that, which in hindsight is probably right. But um, at the time, uh, obviously, we just touched them up and he played, you know, a pretty average game. And I was walking out of um, of uh, Adelaide Oval and there was a sign that was just, you know, thrown in a garden bed and I picked it up and it said Troy Who. <laughs> and so I just picked it up and had a photo um, with it and uh, whacked it on Twitter and it just went bananas it just kicked <laughs> off and all the port supporters i think that's where i got all my followers from from to be honest because um i haven't uh received uh um as many likes and retweets and that sort of stuff uh on any other post since so uh yeah that one really kicked off that's um <laughs> you just don't want to say that you made it yourself did you <laughs> hey, I planted on. it there. I planted it there in case of yeah, in case we won. He, uh, <laughs> so, I guess he. I don't really know much of the story. I only hear the gossip, I guess. But I, and I'm not expecting you to relay any secondhand stories. But I guess from what I heard, he, um, yeah, he he sort of gave a few strong opinions, and I guess some of the boys didn't like it too much. Have mm. you have you in your career as a AFL and SANFL footballer? Have you? Have you seen some non-gracious departures from the club where you've gone, hmm, that's interesting? Uh, not off the top of my head, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's always, I suppose, a bit risky, you know, especially if a, a club or a team aren't performing, you know, um, at their the level that they're probably expected to. And, um, you know, you have all these sort of crisis meetings and, you know, a bloke might stick his neck out and probably say what a few others are thinking and, and ruffles a few feathers and... That's that might might have been what happened to Troy. I vaguely remember him doing something like that, saying maybe pointing the finger at a few blokes and saying, you know, we should be doing this and that better. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, off the top of my head, gracious, um, non-gracious exits. The only one I could vaguely relate to was when Camparelli left Carlton and went to Essendon for a couple of years. I know there's a few boys a bit upset about that, but. Um, mm. I couldn't imagine too many port supporters giving two shits about that. No, that's true. <laughs> so are you going to be making them more signs in 2018? Uh, well, if we um, if we uh, start winning some finals footy, uh, I might be able to muster up something. Nice. For nice sure. My for old sure. co-host who's abandoned me <laughs> for family, just, just disturbing how selfish he can be sometimes, mm-hmm. old Macca. Uh, I actually created a segment to keep his memory going called okay. um, Everybody Loves Macca and uh, Remembering <laughs> Macca, but it's no good doing it with you because you've probably got no idea who Macca is. So oh, I don't know Macca. <laughs> so we can't really uh, we can't really take the piss out of Macca, but, um, so that's it for that one. But he did ask, will Houston be the unlucky loser in regards to a defensive spot this year? Yes, oh, it's, it's it's hard to say. Um, when you look, yeah, when you look at the the defenders that they do have, obviously Hamish and Dan and um, Darcy Burn Jones, um, and then you've got your left footers Jasper and and um, oh my boy, what's his name? Bonner. Left footer Bonner Riley. Um, you know, there's five sort of medium small defenders um, off the top of my head that you know that you could probably start um, in your 22 any given day, um, and then you got your Jonas's and uh, your Clearies and and um, Howards and Hompshires as well uh, <laughs> to play back there as well. And unfortunately, you can't have nine defenders, so um, there's going to be a few that are going to miss out, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it all sort of pans out, I suppose, over the next few weeks. Awesome. Right, well, I'll, I'll finish with this because we've got a couple of guests coming on throughout the year. So I'll get your prediction <laughs> early. So you're in the toughest spot of them all, I guess. Where I Where are you expecting Port to finish the minor round? The minor round. I haven't had a look at anybody's schedules or anything like that, but I think they need to be with the list they've got, and I think they've gone out, all out to, um, you know, to win um, finals footy uh, with their recruits um, and just where their list sits at the moment. And I think that they'd have to finish top four. I think, um, you know, they'd be um, disappointed if they don't get a double chance. Um, so and, where, you know, which, mate, which spot in the top four are you calling? Oh, uh, look, I'll go... Oh, I'll go four. Four to be safe. You're going fourth. They're going to win from fourth, you reckon? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yep. 
And I guess I haven't had a look at any other teams or anything, mate. You put me on the spot here. <laughs> That's all right. Chris Judd, <laughs> um, Chris Judd came out not long ago actually and said um, that uh, you know he doesn't think Port can win because the new recruits. Uh, will take time to gel and have an influence yeah. in the side. Um, yep. I would have thought the new recruits that we've got, however, are quite experienced and, and mature and, and should be able to influence early. What's what's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I can see where Juddy's sort of coming from with that. Um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, um, Port's success this year, and it's, it's a bit hard to, to put it on three blokes, but we'll... Uh, be determined by uh, a lot of it will be determined by you know how these guys sort of gel um into the to the squad um and the game plan and um yeah yeah i think yeah, you, you know their their squad on paper and their, their best 22 on paper and their you know their best 30 is just it's as good as sort of any across the the afl at the moment and um yeah i just uh yeah, I really hope they they can you know get it all clicking you know from round one and um, and, and and you know finish in that top four spot and give themselves every chance to to go all the way. So um, you know we're missing Trent McKenzie as well when we talk about Backman. He's another you know booming left footer with 100 games experience under his belt that uh, you know is going to add a lot of depth to that to that squad as well. So who do you think is going to kick the most goals for Port Adelaide this year? Ah, oh, big boy, Charlie. Charlie, that's a pretty yeah. easy one, you reckon? Yeah. Do you? Yep. What about Chad? I think he's, you know, he he was he was on and off again in all Australian. He's missed all Australian last two years, which I'm sure he's not too fussed about. Um, but his form did seem off the last two years. Do you think pushing him into the midfield more has maybe caused him to lose his way? Do you think he's been having, holding an injury? Because he doesn't seem to be going for the big marks like he used to. and Something seems yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, I think, you know, he's developing his game and, and, and building that midfield craft. I think it's predominantly used early on as a permanent forward where you can sort of, you know, sit on blokes' heads there because you, you, you spend more time there so you get more opportunity to, to fly for those hangers and that. So, um yeah, look, I I think you know we'll see the best of Chad again this year. I, I know it's not much to go off, but the, those international rules games, he uh, he's got a, he's just an unreal talent. Um, and you know, with another preseason under his belt, uh, you know, and the midfield depth that we've got now, I think we might see him play a little bit more, um, you know, forward of the footy um, and hitting the scoreboard a lot more, and hopefully seeing a few more of those hangers that we know we can take as well. So who do you reckon will be our best player this year? Um, oh, I think I think Big Ollie Wine's just uh, ever so consistent. Um, you know, through the middle of the ground, he, he'll step up to be our number one mid. Um, I think this year, um, I think Robbie Gray's probably set for um, you know a huge year as well. Hamish Spiral Report said he's um, you know he carried a lot of. Um, osteitis pubis or, or groin soreness throughout last year and he's got rid of um, rid of that and moving really well at the moment and is looking fit and strong so um, yeah we'd expect him to, to have another really good season um, but yeah my money's on probably Ollie Wines and there's probably going to be a little bit less pressure on him now with you know you still got Ebert running through there and Power Pepper coming into his second year, and and Rockliffe and and Wingard and Boak and and Robbie Gray, you know, rolling through the middles middle as well. It's uh, going to be a bit of a nightmare for opposition, I think. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely. And last but not least, who do you think, outside of Ollie or Robbie Gray, who, who do you think that maybe the the unexpected player that's going to be most important for us um, to pop up and, and win? Um, you know, sort of like last year, for example, Houston was that unexpected bolter yep. that really influenced the team. Um, who do you think needs to be that unexpected player to create that influence for us to, to have a, a fantastic season? Yeah, I think uh, we can't underestimate uh, Jared Pollock. Um, just when he's running and carrying that ball through the middle of the ground with his speed and, you know, he kicks the ball so well to our forwards. Um, he moves it with pace and he can hit the scoreboard as well. And it's, you know, disappointing that he's, he's injured at this time of the year. But, um, you know, I see, um, you know, um, Riley Bonner, you know, playing a similar role potentially. I know he's more of a half-backer, but um, we've seen him, you know, break, break, the, uh, break the lines from half-back. Um, in the limited game time he's played, so um, and he's a beautiful kick as well. So um, you know, I love those left footers. Uh, we need to see Jasper back to his best as well, rebounding that footy. So yeah, blokes that, that can really break lines, run and carry are, are just so important. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to see Jared Pollock, you know, stay fit and healthy um, and, and play his best footy for us this year because I think that'll go. Um, a long way to us, you know, winning some a lot of footy. Mate, I can't disagree with all of those selections and uh, I really appreciate your time tonight. I just wanted to say thanks and you're, so you're, are you senior coach for Mildura this year? Uh, joint senior coach um, of the Imperials Footy Club, um, yeah, in Mildura. So uh, we, uh, we finished fifth last year um, and it's a top four comp. We will we were third leading into the last round and we lost to the top side and we had a couple of results uh, beneath us go the wrong way and we missed out by percentage, so that was a bit disappointing. Um, but, yeah, we've uh, recruited some pretty handy footballers um, over the summer and, and training hard. So, yeah, just looking forward to getting back out there, mate, and having a kick. Yeah, well, seeing you playing, um, if that's the case... I've heard what you country footballers earn, and it's Bitcoin. So, if any of us port supporters want Not to drive, up, any of us port supporters want to drive up and watch a game, I guess it's your shout, right? That's right. Yeah, no, very accommodating. And uh, the one thing about the country lifestyle and the country football is they do love a beer after the game. And uh, there's often a couple of slabs for the boys after a, a game win or lose. And um, yeah, anyone that wants to come down, just let me know, and uh, we'll have a couple. Sounds like a good play. Look, I won't take any more of your time. You've got two beautiful girls and a lovely wife, so uh, I'm sure you want to get back to them. But I'm sure on behalf of all of us Port supporters that are listening live and also download, we get a fair few that download the podcast at the end. Um, very, Thank you very much for your time. And uh, you never know, maybe we, we might be able to twist your arm and come back later in the season or something. Yeah, no dramas, mate. Happy to help out and have a yarn. So, yeah, no, thanks, great. Ricky. It's, uh, I've enjoyed myself. So. Yeah, cheers, Hope, buddy. Hope uh, all the listeners have too. And uh, I think I'm nearly hitting that fatigue wall when I'm just babbling now. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up really, really soon. Thanks, Adam. All right, buddy. Thank Cheers. You. One last hurrah. Loads to... up. They need a mark and then a goal. West off almost. Motlock couldn't quite. Enright. Good tackle. Cassisi to win it. Cassisi does win it. Oh! oh.